You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Come on, let's give God a great hand right across every campus. And uh, if you're visiting today or, uh, in fact, if you've been at uh, Life less than 15 months, maybe you have never really understood that once a year, we have just a season of time, three weeks, where we focus in on our future. We focus in on doing something, even financially, that once a year we take up a special offering that will help us unlock all that God has. And uh, that offering in the past traditionally has been called H4, which is heart for the house, home to the harvest. But I'm really excited to announce going forward it's going to be called Legacy. We, we as a church are committed to creating something that goes generationally. And uh, you're going to warm up to it. It's not about trying to squeeze money out of you. It's about trying to liberate you into a place where you can create something that has an eternal echo. And uh, if you are new to life, which there are many people that are new, this offering goes towards seeing our mission and community, kingdom and facilities go to another level. And, you know, Marie and I and the team here at Life are so moved by the thousands of families over our 25 years that have said, you know what? I want to contribute into creating something that releases somebody else. And uh, again, I don't tire because I continue in my own life with Marie and with our family to reflect back at the beginning of life, how that 25 plus years ago, we were kind of, well, we were in Sydney with a sense that God was asking us to do something we weren't that comfortable with. Have you ever found that when you really get close to God, God says, I'm going to stretch you. I know we're at the 840 and I know that the other locations are really responding, but come on, Central. Do you know that God really stretches us when he gets involved? Why? Because he sees our potential. And uh, both here in Auckland and now in Melbourne, it's like, you know, we are committed to having something that literally changes a city. When I drive through the city of Auckland, I'm praying for a monumental shift as the church rises. Not only would it change a city, but it would influence a nation. And then ultimately would touch a world. The world would look to Aotearoa and go, wow, look at what God is doing. I want to begin today with a scripture. I love the word of God. And it's going to be on the screen. But Psalm 145 says this. The psalmist cries out and says, I will extol you, my God. I wonder what he meant by that. I will, ext- I will lift you. I will elevate you. I will declare my praise of you, my God, my King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I will bless you. I wonder what brings blessing to God. What a thought that today I'm here to bless God. Make God smile. I'm going to make God feel good today. I will bless my God. I will praise your name forever and ever. Verse 3, I love, great is the Lord, come on, and greatly to be praised. That's why you go, well, what what does church have have to be interactive? Why does it have to be noisy? You know, I've been still praying. The front row would even be noisy here. It's kind of like, because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness, listen to this, is unsearchable. In other words, we haven't arrived yet at seeing what it it really looks like. And then verse 4 is where I want to lay just a foundation to today and the next three weeks. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your mighty works. 
What an amazing privilege, not just to be born again, but to realize God's called you and me to have a generational echo. That actually the praise of God is going to come from the foundation of how we responded in our generation in the generations that follow us. And that God echo, I believe, is one of the most significant things that I can leave, not just being committed, but having something that goes on singing and declaring the praise of a mighty, powerful God. And I look at that and I today want you to think about this statement. You know, I've got a lot of one-liners and so all week I've been meditating on this thought that I hope we can take away from today. Here's the thought. To leave a legacy, we need to live one. This month is about You know, I want my life to count for something and I want something like the psalmist said that will have a generational declaration that your mighty acts will go from one generation to another generation. But to live a legacy, however, we need to not just live one, but to live it, we need to invest into one. That those two things stand together, that those two are one in the same, that God is looking for us to realize you don't change the future by just getting through. You don't change the future by living with what others would term is okay and reasonable. And I believe that God is calling a generation of people. You see, here at Life, I want to get straight into it because I don't have a lot of time. But I'm believing in the next three and a half years that here at Life, we will raise over $40 million. It's crazy. You go, why would we want to raise 40 million? Because we've got a 2020 vision that is actually asking, God asking us to be in a position in three and a half years where at least 20 million will go into community need. And you might go, well, I've never seen that happen in history. I've seen God do greater things than that. God doesn't see it as a huge challenge. He sees it as something that we are able to do. I was talking to Pastor Brian Houston at our life conference and He said, you know what, Paul, there's something about the Spirit of God on this thing. You know, what God is doing through life and the conference, he said, you realize that people talk about what Hillsong is doing globally, but really it's only happened in a global state from the last five to eight years. And he said, you better get your roller skates on because there is increase and expansion that's going to be exponential over life in the future. You know, he's not just saying rhetoric. It's kind of like, are we ready for this? See, legacy is a gift that keeps on giving. When you start thinking legacy, your mind shift changes of, it's not just about me now. It's about a generation. There's an echo that I'm called to proclaim. Legacy is also something that happens once we commit our lives to outlive our lives. I wonder what percentage of us here, again, up at north, down south here in central, 840 How many of us are thinking about what will outlive us? Or are we so caught up in surviving in our today that legacy is just a great word? It's not something that we've embraced. As I said before, come on, I want you to get this. To leave a legacy, we need to live one. To live a legacy, we need to invest into one. That thought of, all right, that's what I want to do. You know, what we've seen over 25 years is nothing short of miraculous. You know, Pastor Luke was telling me down south this week, he said, do you realize that last Sunday, I was there for Sunday night, but do you realize last Sunday we celebrate 12 months of being in our new south complex? 
And I said, isn't this whole complex a miracle? He said, absolutely. Not only do we celebrate it, we celebrate it being debt-free. Not only do we celebrate it being debt-free, we celebrate the fact that a year ago, 12 months ago, our total attendance over the day at South was 750. It's now 1650. And, and yet we celebrate that, but we go, there's a whole city yet to reach. I wonder whether we are actually living with an understanding of the day we're in. And that actually the thing that energizes us more than anything else is the spirit of legacy. That actually we are to live a legacy if we're going to leave one. That there is something about what God is doing around us that many of us, we just get caught up. And I can know what that's like and everything that has to be done rather than going, you know what? Through our annual giving once a year, through our commitment to not having something just for us, but setting a foundation for others, there are thousands of people that have been moved because somebody went the extra mile. And here at Life, we're not here to, to pressurize anyone, but I am here to challenge and motivate and say, you know what? Legacy Month is about you, your wife, if you're married, your husband, if you're married, you and your family, you and a couple, you as an individual, come on, having a generational echo. We've seen God do amazing things. This morning, we're going to go to the screens and have a look at week one on legacy. Every generation has been given a God opportunity to create an echo that goes generationally. The truth is, in our giving, so many people to this point have committed through H4, Heart for the House, Home for the Harvest, to set a foundation to create what God has entrusted to us and see it become a reality. Today we're talking legacy because in our hearts we know there is a revelation that God has a mountain that can be conquered. And I've discovered over many years this incredible understanding that faith needs with it our application. Faith without works, James says, is dead. But when you know God's called you to something, 
you know that he always inspires many to rally around. I'm reminded of the parable in Matthew 25 of the talents and many of us would be aware that the talents represent things we have. I wonder if we've ever thought about talents being a season of time, that actually we have been born for such a time as this and it's what we're gonna do with this time, what we're gonna do with what has been entrusted will determine what kind of echo will continue past us. I think it's true that we would all admit at times we're distracted by what we have or even deceived when we don't have much by looking at it and saying that couldn't make a difference. But legacy understands our application and our heart commitment opens so much more for so many more people. And as I look back over 25 years, there is no doubt many have understood what it means to create a legacy because a foundation has been laid. And now before us, we have three and a half years until the end of 2020 to see what God could do, what kind of echo could begin to again surround this incredible nation and beyond because of the foundation that many have committed to invest into. Looking back, I see how God has led us. We began many, many years ago with an offering called World Reach. In fact, we had two and at times three annual offerings that came out of a heart of we want to build something that sees God's kingdom here on earth become our reality. You know, it's always been about us impacting and changing the generations beyond us. Some of the memories, I think it was 1994 where we felt like God wanted us to do something around Christmas and we were the first to start Christmas in the park. An amazing time, a time where we needed miracles, a time where we needed God to move in, but to see 25,000 people come out celebrating not just Christmas, but the God of Christmas. I remember when God began to put on our hearts that Christmas time was a time where not only did He want people to know that He came to planet Earth, but He came with an answer. And that became the foundation of creating Christmas boxes, birthing in 2001 with this dream that we could help people. In fact, our foyers at church were filled with people contributing. We didn't even have nice boxes. So we began with banana boxes and we packed them in the undeveloped area of Mount Eden. And to see 280 families about to be blessed and yet with a dream of 20,000. And even though Christmas boxes will continue to grow year by year, you know, the wider the what has never changed. It's so that we can show unconditional love to those who need it. That's legacy. I think Edwin was one of those people. No, it was a Sunday. Me and my missus, we both went to, uh, went to work. I was working as an ambulance officer and uh, she used to do part-time at one of the bakeries in town. She woke me up uh, telling me that uh, she was going to go to the shops, get us some bread, some ice creams for the kids. And then uh, she was off. It was about, uh, say, 10, 15 minutes later, uh, one of my family up here saying that uh, there's been an accident up there, you should come. And she was lying in the middle of the road, uh, 
barricade facing down. I ran up to her and was trying to wake her up. But uh, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't breathing. Oh, I faked it as, I faked it as hard. See, I've always, I've always relied on my, uh, my, my wife. Five girls, eight boys. They were all close to their mother. It was really hard. Really hard, you know? The day I uh, received the, the Christmas box, she had this box in her, in her arms. And uh, I said, oh, you guys sure uh, you come to the wrong, right places with me? Uh, it was, uh, you know, really made my day, you know? Really made my day. I'll never forget it. These, my kids were very happy. We really don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And yet Christmas boxes can reach a family of 13 children and cause them to believe, with all they'd been through, that there was a hope for the future. Can you imagine, as this year, we put together 20,000 in so many different countries, so many different settings, the miracles that will take place. The team here at Life, everybody that's a part of Life, I know we carry this passion to relevantly meet people where they're at. Years and years ago, I said, God, as I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying we needed to be on TV, that we wouldn't just do it the normal way where somebody would be preaching and we would echo what happened in church. How could we sit in front of a camera and say to people, there is hope, and make it relevant so it could change lives? I'll never forget those first years as people began to email us back in about the touch of God that came through the program. Mind you, it wasn't all like that. I was taking some guests one particular Monday over to Waiheke Island, and we were walking through the main shops, and a couple of gentlemen stopped me, and they said, you're not the guy that does the TV program, are you? That live TV program. I believe they were from the South Island. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's us. Uh, have you seen the program? They were people that, again, were interesting because their response is, when will you preach the real gospel? <laughs> kind of, I laughed a little, not trying to upset them, but it was like, what is the real gospel? Surely it's relating the love and the hope of God. And I believe that all of us, that's legacy. We're investing into bringing the God that meets our today. And that's always been the driver behind producing Life TV with stories and relevant illustrations. And there is hope. And I believe it's reaching far more than we could ever realize, but it's because we're committed to creating an echo. I want you to take a look with me at Jeremy's story. I found out when I was working in one of the first flower shops that I ever worked in, that there was a, a Kung Fu master giving lessons. And I went and got involved. After a few years of that, I was pulled aside and uh, it became clear that there were other, other roles within this, this uh, particular organisation. 
as a part of the involvement in this occult, uh, I then fell into reasonably serious drug dependency, and this just progressed, and I got worse and worse and worse. I put on the, the appearance of being a reasonably happy, functional guy, but deep down inside, I was always falling apart. It was my birthday, and I teamed up with an old associate, purchased drugs, and had a bit of a standoff with him. A fight ensued. Next minute, he was ringing his mates. His mates were coming around. And before I knew what was happening, I was out on the street. Um, yeah, and picked up a weapon, used the weapon, uh, and this kid is now fighting for his life in the intensive care unit at Auckland Hospital, oblivious to even the damage that I'd caused, went home that night and went to bed and woke up the next morning to the sound of the Eagle police helicopter. They took me back to the cells. I soon entered Auckland Central Remand Prison. And then, yeah, about six months into the remand time, there was a guy, he was, a, he was an ex-gang member. He'd been fasting for about three or four days when he approached me one day. And I told him about some of my suffering. I told him about how I'd been addicted to drugs and alcohol. I told him about how my mental health had deteriorated. I told him about the medication I'd been on for over 12 years. And he just very simply looked at me and said, God can heal all that. And I just said, do it. Let's do it. What have you got? I've, I've lost everything. I've tried everything. There was nowhere left to go. And here he was. And I just said, let's do it. It was like the chains were just boom, broken. And it all just began to drain out of me. During this, this period, uh, it became known to me uh, that Sunday morning, there were church shows on. And we had these little government edition TV screens that they'd supplied. And I just turned it on. You know, some of the most memorable times that I had, and I can honestly say this, were when Pastor Paul would come on and deliver a sermon. And they would talk to people about their problems and their encounters with God and what God has done for them, their testimony. And these, these testimonies had a profound impact on my life, you know. And I couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around to hear the testimonies on live TV and it got to the stage where we'd rounded up all these other brothers in the unit and they were all being saved under direction from the Holy Spirit we were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ out of a cell in a remand unit and men were being brought in by the Spirit we were laying hands on them and Sunday morning we were all back together with our feet up watching the testimonies on live TV it's immensely powerful the way we were incarcerated. We, we had no access to the outside world. But through this little screen, we were able to access people and their stories and their lives. And in that way, the TV is a powerful resource for the church. The truth is for all of us, we never really see the harvest of the seeds that we sow. I remember this dream beating in Maria, my heart, for uniting churches and 
making the pastors commit to having a depth of relationship so that we could see this nation and beyond really have a kingdom spirit. We began with something we called Network New Zealand, going up and down the country every year, dozens of times, holding pastors round tables and just talking about the heart of togetherness. To be honest, I felt like giving up, but that kingdom spirit, which is what legacy is all about, how do we build the kingdom? This year for me was where God just showed me how the seed produced a harvest when we had Open Heaven Auckland. Six of the main Pentecostal churches coming together with many other churches just to pray and to worship God at the start of this year. Such an, an event that was so successful. Next year we're doing it again. And I love the fact that we're affecting pastors all over our nation and way beyond because of that kingdom spirit. And it costs, but it's worth it because how many know that each one of us can reach into all kinds of different places. It's great to hear what God is doing through the reach of life, even into Australia. Why don't you meet Mark? Been married 36 years, four children. They're spread right throughout the world, from Auckland to London to to Adelaide and one at home. If you're born and bred in a community and you're five generations in a community, then you have to steward the ability to influence that community very well because you're not going anywhere. So therefore what happens is that when you build relationships in the community, they trust you and they trust you over a long period of time. They know that you're not gonna fly by night. They're not, you're not gonna be here one minute and gone the next. So I've been in this church for 26 years as senior pastor, and prior to that, it was another 10 years. I brought some of the team to Life Conference last year. It was like a fresh revelation for us. All of a sudden, we were seeing a church that was prepared to not just think of us as another church, but actually loved us enough to bring us into their world. And as a result of that, then they invited Gal and I to go to Nexus. And that is just a group of pastors where Paul and Marie just invested into us over a two or three day period. We picked up little things like, you know, like creatives, how to do that a little bit better, or next steps, how to do that a little bit better. But it's the spirit of life in that my team captured what a glimpse of City Hope would be in the future. In other words, they're sitting in life saying, you know what, this could be us in a few years. And they all of a sudden saw it. You know, the thing about investing in the legacy offering is that you may never ever see the fruit from that investment. It means you're going to make investments in areas, for example, a church in Ipswich, that you may never see, you may never attend, and you may never meet anyone as a result of being at City Hope. But the offering that you give will see people coming to know Jesus Christ in a city that you may never visit. That's legacy. It is amazing to think as we commit together and allow God to lead us and sow our resources, how we can have seed in countries all over the world. 
I wonder what we can do literally in the next three and a half years. I wonder today whether you feel called to create a legacy. I wonder if you feel that God wants you to be part of the Life Legacy family. I know we can see what God's entrusted to us. Our 2020 vision become a reality. Can you imagine us being able to stand together in three and a half years and say, you know what? We've got 20 million plus per annum to help people in need, to show them there is a God that cares. To stand with a sense of credibility, a sense where we can see the church again regain its position as the cornerstone of society. Come on, let's thank God for... Let's really thank God for the miracle of what He's doing. You know, I think sometimes our own reality, no matter who we are, we, we look at our lives and we go, are we really making a difference? But when you're a part of something that God has birthed, and when you're committed to playing your role, the echo continues and continues. Come on, and continues and reaches places that maybe you would never be able to access yourself. I want to give you a couple of thoughts about legacy that I pray with what we're sharing will really remain with you because I've discovered that true legacy lives an eternal view. In other words, when you find a legacy builder, when you find somebody that understands the kingdom of God, they've discovered an answer to a major human problem. I'm amazed over many years of working with people how many people are consistently in church, would look at their lives and even say, you know what, I've been a committed Christian for X amount of years, maybe decades of years. And yet there is this persistent emptiness that they talk about. And it's like, you know what, God can do so much more, but I constantly still feel empty. I thought when I got married, that would change. I thought when my business would become successful, it would change. I thought when I got through the challenge of the season I was in, it would change. But I've realized there is emptiness that is attached to temporal living. When you just live for the here and now in the course of your own existence, there is not a fulfillment that comes with living a legacy view. And there is such a distraction, such a deception that comes with just living for the here and now. And, and I think all of us battle every day with an increase of volume about what is needed today. What sort of diverts us, whether it's the America's Cup. How many are praying for that right now? It's kind of like whether it's, come on, our own bank balance, whether it's something that is still existing from the past that has a challenge to us. But I want to encourage you today. You were not designed just to get saved. You, you were never created just to encounter Jesus for salvation, but actually you were called and you were graced. And because of that here at Life, we, we, we cannot sit back and just do Sunday services. It's like, no, we want to help everybody to find their call, to realize their grace and design and begin to move into it. And again, I love the Word of God where Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, In Him, in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. 
being, get this word, predestined according to the purpose of him. In other words, before you even existed, God predestined, pre-purposed you in him to live out his purpose. And emptiness can result of just existing as a Christian. Whereas when you begin to say, you know what? My life is for beyond me. According to the person, uh, purpose of him who works all things according to, the, according to the counsel of his will. You know, so often I think legacy stalls in our lives because we lose a kingdom focus. And this whole thought of legacy lives in eternal view. Are you actually making decisions yet about eternity? Or is it about just today and securing tomorrow? Or does it have a kingdom view? It's like, I, I'm going to actually start to change the way that I live and be like that. And you go, well, why? You know, some people say to me, Paul, do you really believe? <laughs> do you really believe that we're going to raise more than 40 million in three and a half years? Do you seriously believe that? And I go, I seriously believe we're going to do more than that. And you go, how? Because God can do it. If it's God's will, he's got the answer through a surrendered group of people. Come on, and people even outside of life that are going to help with the vision. It's kind of like we're going to talk about how we can do that next week. But I want to encourage you. You know, 40 million is absolutely necessary for us to even to begin to make a mark in the city. You go, yeah, but man, I, I can't see that. Well, just realize he predestined you to see far more than you and to look past your own ability and to see his ability working in and through you. What's the church that you see? I love it. Ephesians 1, 23 in the Message Bible. The church you see is not peripheral to this world. Come on. The world is peripheral to her. Seriously. That's the church I see. The church you go, oh yeah, but life is so huge. It's not huge. It's not even slightly huge. Because the church here is not about making people comfortable. It's about releasing the purposes of God through them and changing a world in which we live. Come on, love her or despise her. The church needs to stand in society in a place where you cannot sidestep her. See, legacy lives with a kingdom view. My question is today, are you really living? Are you making decisions around a kingdom view? Or is it just around you? Big challenge. Second thought is, Legacy actually increases on a platform of self-denial. This is where it gets quiet. It's kind of like, but I thought I wanted God for me. And God says, yeah, you need me for you, but you need me for more than you. You need me to work through you. Even Paul the Apostle lived such a different life. And, you know, I often, when I'm reading the Bible, even verses I've read many times, I try and put myself in the frame of where it's coming from. You know, there is such an attack in society today. And you need to answer the question about your own life. How much of your life is about you? How much of your life is about the surrender of you and your insecurities and the surrender of your past and the surrender of your impossibilities so that the God of all glory, seriously, whether you stay with the vision of life or not, can I just say as the senior pastor, we're here all the way to the end. And if you feel challenged, you need to be challenged to grow. You won't grow outside of challenge. But life is not here for itself. We are not just carrying a vision to grow life. We are here committed to grow the kingdom, however God wants to do that. 
And this is not just a message for us personally. Come on, in every location, it's a message for the church. Will you die to self? Will you put self second and you go, really? That's how Paul lived and taught. Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ. He didn't say for me to live is to believe in Jesus. He said, for me to live is Christ, Christ formed working through me. He says, actually, for me to die is gain. In fact, I realize that as I lay my life down, others will gain life. That kind of level of thinking, it's kind of like a lot of people don't get it. It's like, well, I, I love God and I need God to secure eternity for me. But when was the last time you said, you know what, self, you're going to go second to the purpose of God. And we don't have to do what others do. We just need to do what God's asking us to do. And to live in that place for me to live as... I often think about our teams here at Life. You, you, many of us don't see what goes on behind this, the scenes. But again, this morning, looking at the worship teams, and it'll be the same in every campus. I'm looking at men and women that have sacrificed thousands of hours, but they don't see it as a sacrifice. They just see it as laying down something that they could have so that other people could stand up into what they've already experienced. See, I think legacy is a whole lot of things. Legacy values someone else's tomorrow more than the focus on our own today. It's kind of like when we start to live the Christ-centric life, it's, it's like, wow, you know, the why then becomes answered. I'm living for somebody else. It's kind of like, come on, legacy? Why, why Paul, would you stretch us again? Why would you even get us to consider that we might put the kingdom before our own future? Why, why would you say that you, you keep on expanding? Can't we just stop? No, we can't. As long as there's a Jeremy, Jeremy in a prison cell. Going, is there an answer to my emptiness? And we've got it and we don't do something about it. Come on. Serious. Maybe you're not ready for this, but I, I just want to go. This is not about the raising of money. This is about the unlocking of the kingdom in people's lives. This is about making sure our today never has the ascendancy. Come on, over the purpose of God in tomorrow. And Paul goes on and he just says, you know what? I get to choose. Actually, I'd rather go home to heaven. You read it in Philippians 1. I'd rather go home to heaven. He said, but I'm sticking around because it's going to be more beneficial for the kingdom. I wonder if you can say that in 10 years' time. I've got to stick around because it's going to be more beneficial for the Jeremonies. Come on. For the people that have lost things, have no answer for And somebody comes alongside and says, I'm there for you. I actually believe that legacy stalls when you live for a me-first attitude. When your attitude is about securing everything for your future and it's all around you, then I think it begins to stall. You know what I'd love to do at each of our campuses is I'm going to ask the team. I'm going to hand out a journal this morning and, uh, you know, I'd love every person to take one of these journals. It is a journal. You'll be able to use it. And if you'd like to take notes with pens still, then you could use that. It's going to be something you could use in your own reflections of uh, your times with God, but it is a legacy journal and this legacy journal, inside of it, I want you to take a moment this week, not now, but to read it, to look at it, 
In fact, I'd like you to think about it. You see, because what we've been talking about is the truth that to leave a legacy, we need to live one. And to live a legacy, we need to invest into one. And that for me, I pray will be something. So don't have a good look at this now. Just if you could stay focused. If you can do two things at once or you're multi-spirited. But take it this week. Because you might say, well, what are you asking us to do? The why, the what, and the how are all in here. Instead of putting it all on the screens, we'll talk a little bit more next week. But I want you to read it through. And I want you just to go, God. I don't need to ask God if I'm here to leave a legacy. And if it's true that to leave a legacy, I've got to live one. And to live a legacy, I need to invest in one. Then we're going to believe God can take us to greater levels. You know, Melbourne are believing this year that they're going to raise 325000 towards the overall goal. It's an amazing thing to see what God is doing. In fact, they're increasing their Christmas boxes from two and a half to 3,000. This year at Life, we will be packing 20,000 Christmas boxes. Pretty amazing. You know, uh, Central, we're going to give to community, we're giving to kingdom, we're giving to facilities. You say, why do we need to raise the money for the first stage of Central in three and a half years? So that we'll have the resources to kick off our 20 million going into community. You know, on the screen, we've got some pictures of, rendered pictures of what Central is going to look like. It's going to inspire you to think that in Central, because North, you've got a great facility and we've got Plan B. And of course, South, you're in your new facility. And next to us, we're going to have a foyer. You can see through that foyer, actually right through next to that wooden room, there's another foyer. And we're going to have plenty of room for people to stay around and have their first connect group after services. And then just enjoy coffee and a kingdom spirit environment. You know, as you go through those pictures, you're going to be moved. And next week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to go as a church, every campus, everybody that calls life home, I'm asking you to make a huge decision now. After your service, we're going to go down to Central. We're going to get a vivid pen as a couple, as an individual, as a family, and we're going to write into the walls of the miracle of the building that God's given us. And we're going to prophesy over the future. Come on, we're going to do that after each service and before the night service. And so I want you just to set next Sunday a little bit more time aside. And you say, well, why do we need to do that? Because I want you to prophesy into the city that you live in that God has begun a work that's going to be amazing and powerful. Why? To leave a legacy, you've got to live one. Come on. And to live a legacy, you need to invest into one. And I believe that most of us have been called that are part of life to invest in something that's going to have a generational echo. It's going to touch into the hearts and lives. You go, well, what do I need to do? You need to do what God asks you to do, not what your circumstances dictate to you. I'm believing that we're going to have at least 3,000 giving units over this next three and a half years that are going to be completely committed to what God's asking us to do. This week, we're going to have prayer and fasting on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. Oh, I'm so busy with work. When did the Bible say, let work dominate? Some of the most important things. I know we can't do it all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, surely at least one night we can be out and be praying and fasting. 
believing that through the community and the kingdom and the facility side of who we are, God would work a miracle. I want to pray because we can live a legacy. Father, today we take a moment, we have a sense, are aware that you're doing something so significant. Most of us, if not all of us, have not been there before. We don't understand why we should be chosen and called to be in such a time as this. That God, we've seen miracles as we look back the last five years that we were praying could happen by 2020 and yet they've all happened. You're accelerating. You're asking us to step in trust and faith beyond self. Father, we pray for every campus, every one of us, that we will be moved by you in these next three weeks. That this week as we write on the walls, next Sunday, it's going to be significant as many hundreds of thousands of people will come to Christ as a result of our investment in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.